Today we're talking with Max Otignon, co-founder of one of the hottest branding agencies out there, Ragged Edge. We talk about the power of branding and the strategy work that goes into it, but also about the X rebrand and the impact that AI will have on the branding space. Buckle up and let's talk branding. So um, my name is Max. Um, I am co-founder of uh, a branding agency uh, called Ragged Edge, uh, which we founded uh, back in 2007. I'm one of two co-founders. Uh, so the other chap, his name is Matt. Um, he runs more the, I guess, the, the business side of things. Uh, and it's my job to oversee the work and the creative output uh, of the agency. Love that. I always thought you were like French or something, probably because your your, your back name is Altignon, I guess. You pronounce it much better than I do, to be honest. I'm impressed. <laughs> um, so I'm glad I left that one to you to pronounce. Uh, yeah, a French name. Um, okay. But, well, from way, way back. Yeah, yeah okay. From, from no, no accent, so, I'm afraid. Uh, no, no, no. That's fine. It, it made you seem a bit more exotic in a way. So it's, okay. <laughs> it's I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> But uh, maybe a bit more, I mean, I, I, I already said this in the intro, but Ragged Edge is like one of my favorite branding agencies. So I'm yeah. fanboying a bit here, but like take us a bit through like how did it come to life and maybe what did you do before that? Just so people have a little bit more context. Sure. So um, I began my career in, uh, I guess, like advertising, but really like big like direct marketing agency. Um didn't really like it uh, for lots of reasons. Um, primarily, like the sort of it was quite a sort of corporate, anonymous place where you could, you know, you might not know the person that was sat next to you. Hmm. Um, but also because I, f I always felt like the work that we were doing was quite superficial and throwaway, and like wasn't stuff I was particularly proud of for any number of different reasons. And uh, when I met my business partner Matt. Uh, his background, he's a much more technical. So actually, we, uh, when we met, he was a um, a developer, um, mm. like back front and back end uh, web developer, uh, and I was, uh, was was creating brands. Um, when we met, um, we kind of the ambition was to create something that uh, we, we branding was was the way rather than the marketing stuff because we realised straight away that without a solid brands behind anything um the marketing and the comms just becomes yeah very very superficial uh but also like we set out with this ambition like hugely ambitious for the work but also this sort of mutual understanding that the work was just one part of it and we wanted to build something that was really true to the values that we both shared and wanted to try and uh, make somewhere that um treat people the way we would want to be wanted to have been treated uh, as we were beginning our careers. Love that. And like, what were some of the struggles early on to, to create a, a branding agency? Uh, numerous. Um, <laughs> turn, turns out it's, it's quite hard to make money doing what we do. Um, so there's always that. Um, and like the, uh, particularly when you, you start out and you've got no real clients, um, you've got no real track record. Obviously, it's a really steep learning curve. It's hard to win work. You kind of have to take some work that you um, you might not choose otherwise. Mm. Um, and the there's a combination of number one, trying to build a reputation, but also trying to sort of create something that's financially stable. Uh, it was hard. 
and, and actually, to be honest, remains quite difficult. Yeah, interesting. And and I guess you you also have to build a, a brand for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> well, for your company, yeah. like like maybe before we dive in, I I did this category for a while in the podcast, the segment where it was like some definitions, and I okay. I stopped doing it, but. Since I'm having you here, I would love your take on like what is branding for you. Yeah, <laughs> slightly reluctant to get drawn into the semantics because it like, um, <laughs> but but um, for for us, branding brands are ideas, um, uh, and they're ideas uh, in the minds of, of sort of collective minds of the audience uh, that you're talking to, and so what we're talking about when we talk about branding is. I think sometimes a bit different to what some branding agencies have historically talked about, which is mainly visual identity. And I think what we've always thought about, we've always thought about brands as much bigger than that. And obviously visual identity is, is, is part of that. Uh, but really what we're trying to do is trying to you know, help companies create, you know, find ways to kind of frame their offer in ways that is memorable, that's distinctive, that's relevant to those audiences, um, you know, range of different audiences, uh, in ways that are kind of consistent and coherent over time uh, and can be expressed across every part of the experience. So, like, we try and think about brand as a as a bigger thing than just, you know, logos and, and, and typefaces. Um, mm. Love that. Yeah, well, an idea. Uh, yeah, an idea. I love that. Like, mm -hmm. how much of it then for a branding agency is part of, like, the scope of what you do for, for companies? Because, you know, this idea lives in so many places and, like, where mm -hmm. does Ragged Edge get involved and where does it maybe stop also? Um, yeah, good question. So, uh, you know, brands are massive and all-encompassing, aren't they? And so you're absolutely mm -hmm. right that, like, even something that sells themselves as a branding agency, you're not. What we're trying to do is we're trying to, define that idea or hmm. define what we want the idea to be uh, and then figure out how to express it uh, and give companies the tools to do that. Um, so, you know, brand strategy is huge. We, we try and do, I think, again, brand strategy gets a bit of a, um, a, a bad reputation sometimes because very often it's, it's, it becomes creative writing rather than actual strategic thinking. Uh, and so what we try and do is some real strategic thinking and put real rigor into how to frame the brand uh, in the minds of the, the different audiences uh, and then use that to define the idea that we want to try and communicate uh, and then build a system which tends to be like, at least to begin with, like visual and verbal. So, you know, design elements, uh, language, verbal elements, um, uh, and then start to bring that to life uh, across, so define it and then start to either build the tools themselves or build the framework uh, with which to bring it to life uh, across all different parts of the experience. Mm. So we do we yeah. do get our hands dirty, if that, if that makes sense in terms of like some of the implementation. Yeah, totally. And I, I mean, like there's there's been a, a rise of, of things like sonic branding and, and all yeah. the more experiential stuff like interior design and, and all of that, like... Yeah. Do you do you get in, involved in all of that, or is the core like visual verbal? Um, so yes, we do get involved in in, in all of that um, to different levels. And uh, um, so our 
like we've got a team here that can in-house that can deliver on all the things I've just described. Mm. Uh, something like Sonic branding, we would work with uh, a specialist uh, in the same. We do do some. We actually like cut our teeth doing a lot of kind of experiential stuff uh, early on, so we've got that that muscle. Um, mm. But in terms of like environments and things like that, there'll be some things we do, and then obviously there'll be um, partners that we work with too. For us, it's 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 often about like how do we frame that experience? How do we define what it is? And then you know, can we do it, uh, or can we work with someone or help someone else bring it to life? Yeah, interesting. And and like you said earlier, that you you started actually in I think in direct marketing. But yeah, how do you see like working with clients the bigger overlap with mar marketing? Like where's the the overlap between branding and like how does the handoff happen and how do they play into each other? Yeah. I mean, I guess a tricky one, isn't it? A tricky one to answer, isn't it? Um, Only tricky I think questions. Bra yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, so, yeah, obviously branding is part of marketing. Um, and I suppose like the traditional um, idea of marketing is like influencing all the four Ps. Um, mm. And I think brand can and should impact on those, all of them. But it is a very specific discipline within marketing, and I suppose what we're trying to do is primarily is like set the you know help position the brand, define that idea, figure out ways to communicate that idea and, and frameworks and systems, um, and then the the, uh, the sort of more traditional marketing so how like campaigns and things like that. We we feel very strongly that if you've got a strong underlying brand beneath it um, and a brand that is, is, is robust enough and well thought through enough that that makes the, then the sort of execution of campaign, uh, execution of your kind of day-to-day -day marketing stuff that you have to do so to build to build a brand and to you know, grow your sales and all that stuff. Um, it makes it much, much easier because you've got this framework within which to work. And that, mm. that was very much the, the, the sort of why that was really why we started Ragged Edge was like I've been on the other end of that doing the direct marketing and not had that clarity not had those frameworks and so you then go from campaign to campaign and as soon as you switch off the, the advertising money the, the, the brand falls off a cliff too yeah I, I really love that and I think it's interesting like lots of people from the branding space I talk to like there's this you know this there's it's almost become this meme of branding versus marketing and I very yeah. much appreciate your perspective of like it's a part of marketing and it's influencing mm -hmm. the four P's but it's more of like something fundamental that comes before it it's like laying the foundation and then marketing can work better if you do it and that's something like I think that we saw recently also in the, in the Ipsos study where, where we saw that only 15% of brands is like truly distinctive. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's Amazing. problematic, I guess, but uh, a great opportunity for a branding agency. Like what, why do you think it's so hard for, for brands to, to be recognizable, to be memorable, both like visually, because this study was mostly on, on like distinctiveness and, and distinctive assets, but also like verbally and, you know, in, in all, in all layers of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's really hard to make things that are new uh, <laughs> and different. 
Um, and then it's really hard to have the, the, the discipline to maintain that such that you build an asset that is genuinely distinctive. That stuff happens over time. It takes discipline. It takes money. Um, it takes people not changing their minds. Um, so we see our job as trying to, you know, how do we create something that is fundamentally different? Um, and that is really hard because the, 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 um, the natural inclination always is to gravitate to what has been done. We know this works over here. We know this competitor thing over here is working. So perhaps we should follow that. Um, but obviously, it's, you know, sounds obvious, doesn't it? That is the antithesis of distinctiveness. <laughs> um, so, yeah, first of all, you have to create the system. You have to create the, the visual language, the verbal language, the idea that gives you the um, ability to start building that distinctiveness across a range of assets. But then, of course, you have to have the discipline, and that's probably the hard bit because um, we're all, you know, everybody, well, lots of people work in marketing, branding. They're all creative people, and they all like change, don't they? Um, and you need we to, do. yeah, you need <laughs> to keep things consistent um, to build this stuff. I honestly yeah. think that's the biggest problem. It's just like people just keep changing stuff. Interesting. I mean, mm. I agree with you. I think that's a huge part of the problem. Although I, I I'd also think like when I see some of the work that Ragged Edge is, is putting out there and, and some other like great branding agencies is also like from the get-go, the identities or, or like the overall everything, the tone of voice mm -hmm. is usually quite distinct from what is happening right. in those categories. So I think it's also like it's both what you yeah. said earlier about like laying that foundation that is already very distinctive, differentiated. We can get into that later but then also applying that consistently and not changing it. Like, I think, I don't know if you agree, but. 100%. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And, and, and talking about changing, I think that's like, uh, well, we, we've seen the, the, we can swear on this one. So it, the shit storm that was X, X I, I don't know if you agree, by the way, you can say something else, but like, uh, maybe first. It was a shitstorm, but like, yeah, what, what's you your take it. on it? Like, maybe, I don't know. If it, do you have a hot take on it? Or do you say like, oh, that debate's over? I, I would totally appreciate that as well. But <laughs> How long have you got? I think the challenge with that one is it's hard to know what you can learn from it, really, because like Elon Musk's brand, again, for better or for worse, it just supersedes it all. So stuff that, mm -hmm. you know, any learnings we can, it may work. It may work really, really well, but that's going to be because mm. Elon Musk is at 150 million followers uh, on his mm. platform, whatever you want to call it now. Uh, it's not because strategically that was the right thing to do and it made sense to throw away all the equity of, um, you know, the, the bird or the language of a tweet, um, which none of that makes a whole load of sense to me. Um, but, you know, maybe the power of Elon Musk brand can, can supersede all that. Yeah. We're going to find yeah. out, aren't we? It's messy, and as you said, like we can't really protect the future. Like maybe in in general, more. I'm guessing you you guys encounter rebranding uh, briefs uh, mm. a lot as well. Like, how do you tackle that? Like, do you like how do you look at it in the first place? Like, are you careful with even going for it? Like, what's uh, what's your take on being careful and then also making sure you don't mess up this this whole thing? Yeah. So we, good question. We have a very specific, so within the world of branding, um, we are very clear about the type of work that 
we're good at and that we want to do and that we're, our process is set up to achieve. Um, you've talked about already um, that our, our work feels distinctive mm. uh, and that is very, very important. Um, so we straight out the bat, we're not in, we're just, we're not interested in, we just don't think it's the right thing to do. Uh, and where there are briefs where it's about, you know, little incremental shift from the category, whether it's, um, a little incremental change. Um, it probably isn't the right work for us. What we're looking to do is the work we're looking for the projects where they're trying to make a big business shift. Uh, and there's lots of different, um, forms that shift might take. Uh, but it's always a big change. Uh, and then how do we use brands to uh, help uh, that company um, deliver on that, that, that ambition for change? Go ahead. Yeah, for us, that takes a, a, a very specific approach, um, uh, which we've kind of spent the past 16 years fine-tuning. Like uh, two things I, I would love to know more about when it comes to rebrands. One is like, how much are you auditing the existing brand and like trying to understand, you know, how it works? And then the second part is more like, in what scenarios do you think it's a good idea to rebrand? Like you said, business shift, like there are some people like Mark Ritson, for example, saying that there's never actually a good idea. It's never a good idea to rebrand only when it's a legal thing. Like, I, I don't agree entirely with that, but I'm curious about your take on like, when is it a good time to rebrand? And then the second part, like, what are you doing in terms of due diligence to make sure that you understand properly the heritage of the brand? I think, I think that um, it very much depends on the stage of the business. Mm. So there are some brands that we, we do quite a lot of work in the kind of, I suppose, with brands that are growing quite quickly. Yeah. Um, whether they're sort of VC backed uh, and they've you know got some momentum and they want to get to the next stage of their journey, that might be you know one of the changes we're talking about. And often at that point, they haven't really established any meaningful equity. And I think you can afford to. You don't need to worry too much about what they've already got. You know, it's been very product focused, um, and so there's an opportunity to you know create something new that that is built for what could be what will be in the future rather than what, what is right now. Uh, but then on the flip side, you've got uh, more established brands, which have built up that level of equity. And I think, I think like Mark Ritson talks about, he talks, I, I think I read the same column and I think he was talking about naming specifically there, wasn't he? And mm. I, I actually really do agree with that. Like changing the name is just really, really hard when you've got an established brand and it, it's hard, even when it feels like there's a rational case for it, I think, it's very unlikely that that is a genuine, <laughs> a genuinely <laughs> rational case. Um, to give you a brief example, so we've we've been working with Wise, um, yeah, for, formerly Transfer Wise, and I don't think it would be giving away any um, uh, any anything they wouldn't want us want us to tell you. But like that, they they made that shift from they changed their name from Transfer Wise to Wise. Mm. That was done for a very good strategic reason, which is that it was a business shift they were trying to make, which was, um, I don't know if you know what WISE does, but they they made their name from being able to send money anywhere yep. in the world really quickly and really cheaply um, and really conveniently. And 
they've since built their product uh, to be much more of this, um, like basically one account for the world's money. And they want the behavior um, of their, their audience, their users, to be quite different from just thinking about it to spend money from A to B. Hmm. So the first thing they did was they changed their name because they wanted to take transfer out of it. Um, but because it was so well known, because it had so much equity in it, that alone has been just really hard and like still on some of their comms, uh, less so now, but they'd still have to say, you know, formally transfer wise. Yeah. It takes yeah. a long, long time. Yeah, and I guess like the 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 actual mis well mistake it's not per se a mistake, but I think the mm -hmm. actual thing to solve there is like earlier on, like transfer wise mm -hmm. to start with was a very descriptive name, and like part of branding is coming up with names that don't fall into the trap of like not being able to grow or evolve with the product, like some of like ragged edge, like there's nothing in there that that would indicate a certain scope, which I think makes mm -hmm. it easier uh, over time so i think that's just a, a good like branding uh, part to, to to think about a name in a more like non-descriptive way yeah i think so but i also think that um like names transcend their original meaning uh, True. i always think back to the, the the netflix example uh and i think when they were when they were naming it they were there's a bit in one of the i think reed hastings book about them worried that it was a bit Basically, the brief for the name was we have something that does internet and something that does films. Um, and so, you know, Portmanteau, Netflix. Um, and they were worried that it was a bit porny. Yeah. <laughs> like flicks. Because <laughs> like, before they had a brand around it, that's what it seemed. Um, but now they've built this brand. And actually, when you think about it, like, is Netflix the right name for it? It's all about movies, which is what they used to do. Now Netflix is really TV shows, isn't it? But you just yeah, it. it's like McDonald's. I mean, yeah. it's original. It's like it sounds when you disconnect it. It's like Scottish. Uh, I don't know. Old McDonald went with on the farm kind of thing, and then like nothing <laughs> yeah. to do with burgers, but it works because we like totally not associate it with. So I agree with you. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a really good point. At a certain point, it just transcend that. Like another hot debate. Uh, on LinkedIn, of course, uh, you you mentioned the word meaningful uh, in terms of right. like equity, and there there of course uh, there was some some recent like uh, debate. Well, it comes back I think every I don't know six months or one year. I don't yeah. know, <laughs> but it's like you you're you're on the edge on the ragged edge of this. I mean, you are creating distinctiveness for brands. You're also working on IDs on on differentiation like. What's your take on the whole differentiation, distinctiveness debate like? Uh, so, I can, I'm going to leave the, the the semantics again to the um, the you know the marketing scientists who are like doing this for a living. But um, for us, you know, distinctiveness and different and differentiation like they are two obviously two different things. Um, I don't think they're mutually exclusive, uh, and I think. The f our first job is to create something that is distinctive because our first job as a brand is to get something that's noticed and remembered. Mm. Um, I think if you can then layer on something that is as a frame the product or the offer in a way that is genuinely and meaningfully uh, differentiated, that's obviously much harder. Um, but it's only going to add to it. 
uh, and perhaps that might be you know more when, about when you um, so an example like we do lots of digital products and like to get noticed distinctiveness is the thing it doesn't it probably doesn't matter about differentiation in terms of like getting you to click on an ad and things like that mm. um, but then maybe um, that differentiation comes through as you go through the, the, the user journey and the customer journey and being able to articulate that in a clear way is really important um, so yeah long short answered um, there's not they're not mutually exclusive uh, but the most important thing for us is landing that distinctiveness first and foremost because without that you've got nothing yeah it's fundamental I, I, I totally mm -hmm. agree and I think it's like it's not that's the only issue I have with the whole Byron Sharp I mean I love the the things they're doing and the, the mm -hmm. how brands grow I think it's it's interesting uh, it's a very good like baseline to work off but I think the meaning less distinctiveness like why would you not enable companies to work around ids and like it's power i think it's powerful if they can find it and positioning themselves around it and if only the only thing that customers take away is distinctiveness great but internally you've got like a driver that keeps you consistent so i i think that part of what you talked about earlier about ids is very interesting mm -hmm. and maybe if you could like tap into a bit more is like one of the things I think that a lot of brand strategists are like struggling with is how much of it is it like, let's say, creating that ID or, or like, you know, finding that ID versus like just unearthing what is there. And I guess, of course, context matters in, in terms of like if it's mature business versus like a, mm -hmm. a starting business where you have a bit more of that freedom. But if you could like talk a bit more about that. ID generation and how that works in collaboration with the client and how much is that part of Ragged Edge's strategy work and how much is the client's vision there? Yeah, so when you talk about ID, do you mean the sort of underlying idea yeah. that informs, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I suppose it does, it very much depends, doesn't it, on hmm. where the business is in their life stage um, and how much of that exists and is clarified uh how much of it is open to change and so um we'll look at all that um and for us it's i think it's rarely about just clarifying something that already exists very rarely is it that um i think you know that that's quite easy to do uh, well i wouldn't mm. want to undersell it but it's easier to do um i think what we're always looking to do is tr take what already exists frame it in an unusual way um, that is uniquely you know, distinctive, memorable, relevant, all of those things. Uh, and so we're always taking the client on a journey. Um, it's not, and it isn't just simply about like playing back what they've already said in a way that's, you know, a bit simplified and, and, and clarified. Um, and I think that's probably due to the types of clients that we work with, types of challenges we work with where they are looking to effect a change and so we usually need to change how people think about the offer or how people perceive the offer I don't know if that makes sense yeah I mean a couple of things that I'd love to get in deeper is like first off like probably this is impossible to answer but it's the, the <laughs> podcast of tricky questions so we'll do it okay. um like, when do you know 
like you're working on the strategy, you've done maybe some workshops, some some research. Like when do you know if like this is a solid brand ID? Like when does it click? Like are there some I don't know benchmarks or things you look at where you feel like okay this ID could work, could take off? I think a number of different phases, um, and I think that like our industry and what we do is a game of conviction and belief. And mm -hmm. I think the thing about brands and the thing about ideas, like ideas spread when people believe in them. And so we have this journey we need to go on. First of all, we need to define the idea. We need to believe in it. Then we need to um, help the client understand define, uh, and believe in it. Uh, and then they and we together sometimes, but have to help their audiences believe in it. And so all the way, all the way along that journey, um, that process that we go through, it, it's about building that conviction, uh, building that belief. Uh, and I think we, when we know we've got it, you know, when we believe in something, when we then figure out, okay, the client really believes in this too. Uh, that's the exciting bit when we've got something that we really believe in. Often they might obviously test it with their audience. Um, and so that will um, reinforce that belief uh, as well. But yeah, it's the, sh the power of an idea with shared belief is is really quite compelling, um, and it kind of sometimes it just it doesn't even necessarily have to be the right idea, the, the you know the singular right idea. It just has to be something everyone can get excited about, everyone can believe in, and then we can all commit to delivering that um, across every part of the experience, every part of the brand. Mm. Yeah. I mean, and, and one other part I think important, like in the, let's say the strategic journey, like how data driven versus more, let's say, uh, qualitative is this mm. ID inspired? And like, if you do look at data, like what things are you looking at to inspire those, those brand IDs? I think we talk a lot about a leap. Mm -hmm. um, a phenomena two and trying to get these brands and, and again we're talking about a very specific type of challenge here where we're trying to effect a change uh, and so we're, talk we're always looking for a loop um, and that leap might be informed by the data but it's never going to be proven by the data if that makes sense mm -hmm. um, and so we you know there's a it, it's a combination of the two it's um it's, it takes some belief, it takes some conviction, um, but obviously the more you can demonstrate the robustness of that thinking with the, with the data behind it, um, and, and, and the more that you know, insights come from you know, genuine truths, whether it's come from data or whether it's come from something a bit more qualitative, the better. Mm. Yeah, I think like you talked about it earlier, the thing about like a lot of uh, I, I think branding agencies, like I've seen it myself. I, I'm a consultant as well. Like I've I've seen a lot of beautiful decks and and strategy, yeah. both, but also visual and, and verbal presentations. And then when you look at the actual brands, like it's it's not not nowhere near that. Like it's even with case studies, like they're mm. sometimes different worlds. Like how do you manage as a branding agency? Or because there's also people listening on on the other side, on on the the ins. I, I mean, in house people. Like, how do you take that 
that beautiful ID to to like to to live in inside of a company and make sure that they apply it. Like, you have any pointers, IDs on that? Yeah. Um, so I suppose yeah, it's, it's, it is the biggest challenge I think in our industry generally, uh, and it's definitely one we face. Um, I think it comes back to that conviction and the belief. So we don't move forward with anything until we've got something that we all really believe in and the client has to be, it can't be something that we force on the client. It has to be something that we've kind of built and collaborated on together. And there's that real shared conviction, shared belief. We then, our job together with the client is to build a system and, and, and a way of communicating that idea um, in a way that's simple, that's scalable, that's clear, um, that works across you know, every imaginable touch point and speaks to this like real breadth of audiences as well. So it's like trying to find a form for that idea, then trying to find a framework for that idea. Um, and then helping the client, making sure the client really believes it and really understands it. Uh, and again, that's, that's really hard. Uh, and it's about trying to, you know, be ruthlessly simple. The more complexity you add into this stuff, the more likely it is to go wrong. Um, and it does, it relies on talent and dedication on the client's side as well. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a team sport. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think that's that, that relationship with, with the client and, and being able to check in also from time to time is, is I think very important. So do not make it just like, a, here's the button and see you never again. I think that's where some of the problems arise. Like, Maybe to f flip uh, the conversation a bit, like um, we uh, like one of the cases that I really loved and I shared it like with with the, uh, the company I'm working for as well. Uh, we also have a mascot, so uh, the the case for uh, for Kili, um, which I think was really interesting. Uh, you might or might not know I have a thing for mascots, but I do know that. Yeah, you've been <laughs> playing around with it on AI, haven't you? It, yeah, I've seen. Yeah. yeah, and I think they're, I think they're like Love one it. of these, these, these assets that we don't see that often, especially in some categories. And I think it's part of it is like our fear of not being taken seriously in a way. Like it's, you know, mm -hmm. it's too cute or whatever. It's too whimsical. And I, I, I gotta say, like I was really pleasantly surprised by the case, and and I think it's a really cool mascot. So uh, for people <laughs> I do listening, I'll put it in the show notes. But, um. Like what? What's your take on on brand mascots? Like, do you think they're making a comeback? Like, why do you think they're people are hesitant? Like, I'm enjoying the um, the book in the background. Mascot. <laughs> oh, is it a magazine? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a book. It's a book. It's a really it's a really cool book. Check it out. I've not seen it. I have to look at it. Um, yeah, yeah. I think we're on the same page. Um, I, you have probably seen the same studies that we have. That it's like as a distinctive asset, they're really uh, very, very powerful and they're also very underused. So it's kind of like, it's a bit of an open goal. Um, mm. You're right, you're absolutely spot on in the, in the case of um, Killy, where the challenge for us was to um, build that belief and conviction with the client that, that we weren't sort of infantilizing the product, this amazing, you know, very, very technically advanced product. Mm. Uh, by doing this, and I, I think we were able we were able to show a few examples uh, of like B two B SaaS products. And the main one actually being, I think, Salesforce. Who um, yeah. I've forgotten the name of the, the mascot. Astro. They, they, Astro. That's it. 
uh, yeah, which has been really powerful for them. Um, and just being able to show that we could get that tone right as well and um, create this, 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 this character, Killy, who um, felt human and, or had humanity and empathy, um, but also didn't make the brand feel childish. Um, and there was a real balance there. Uh, we, you know, we did tons and tons of exploration and different, um, uh, different expressions of that mascot. And some of them were too childish and we, you know, we, 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 were, we took it too far as we always try to, we always try and take it to the edges. Um, but we found something, um, that we felt as a, as a team could create that distinctiveness that could create that connection, uh, between the audience, uh, and, um, the brand and the business. Uh, in a way that just felt like a million miles away from anything anyone in that space was doing. Yeah, totally. And I think uh, it worked really well. Maybe it's best to not talk about it too much so that all other branding agencies know, yeah. start creating mascots. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a good secret. <laughs> but yeah. I'm They're afraid kind of it's the other, late. Yeah, the other <laughs> challenge with them is there are, there, you've got to maintain, like any asset, you've got to maintain it. Um, yep. And mascots are... Yeah, often you know you, you can't you're not it's not not like a logo we're just creating one thing that you just execute everywhere uh or even a typeface where once you've got it you can just use it like the mascot you know has to live uh and so mm. making sure that's scalable is and executable uh is hard and perhaps one of the reasons uh one of the other reasons why um companies maybe shy away from them a little bit Totally. Yeah. Maybe like, I don't know if you have any, like that's maybe too tactical or specific, but if you do have any ideas on like how to make that manageable, like I, I think people would be really interesting to know. Um, yeah. What do we, so we're always thinking about that. So when we're obviously building a brand, um, we have these ideas, but then quite quickly we have to get quite real, uh, mm. about these and we're like, how can we simplify and create something that really can scale uh, we'll often have lots of conversations with the in-house team uh and i'll make sure and figure out like what's what their, what's their expertise what can they do is there a way that we could give them something that they could use their skills uh to execute uh if there's not is there like a, just a really simple way of, ex of sort of um rendering this mascot like um i don't mean computer rendering but just like mm. drawing this mascot in a way that um can be scaled really easy um and so we're always almost before we present it to the client we're thinking is is there a way this can be scalable because if a brand's not scalable you know you're in trouble from the start yeah, totally. And I, I think it's it's the smart approach to, I mean, look at the capacities of the in-house team and, and base it on that and not just on yeah. whether it would be very cool. Because, yeah, especially with 3D and, and other stuff, it's like not always as easy to manage. And and like that's, I think, a perfect segue maybe into the last, also a very hot topic, uh, <laughs> AI, of course. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, but, anyway, I mean... I guess as a creative company, I mean, you, you, you must talk about it and you mm -hmm. must be like exploring it. So in like in mascot specifically, I think it's interesting to see how like it maybe can help in, in yeah. character design and stuff like that's what I'm exploring, but in, in more, let's, let's zoom out more in general. Like what's, what's your feeling on like how AI will, will like 
impact the the branding scene both from like a more broader perspective for everyone like owning brands but also for branding agencies yeah so i think ai is just obviously a huge topic um and i think it will touch every part of our jobs uh in the in the branding industry probably you know much broader than the branding industry um in in any number of different ways both nerbal both unnerbal um and we're thinking about all of that um whilst obviously trying to go about our day-to-day um existence and 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 playing with it as well but i think i suppose in, in terms of like outputs what i think is quite interesting is we're already seeing like without ai I think the, the sort of digital productization of the, the branding space and particularly a lot mm-hmm. of the space that we work in has kind of led to this commoditization of brand uh, where everything is just because it has to be so scalable, because it has to be so executable, because it has to work across these you know, tiny devices. Um, everything starts to feel the same. Hmm. And it's really, really hard to break out from those constraints. So we're already seeing this and, you know, there's lots of um, discussions on, on online about this, isn't there? But you're already seeing that everybody is kind of fishing in, you know, from the same set of ingredients and um, it's hard to do, it's really hard to make stuff that looks and feels new because we're working within quite tight constraints. Mm-hmm. I think AI is only going to make that harder because it's suddenly going to, Commodity is going to commoditize the, the nature of a, a visual identity. Um, mm. Anyone, anyone will be able to have one with a literally, you know, touch. Of, they probably can already, can't they? Where like touch of a button, um, it can generate a, a visual identity that feels professional, that feels slick, that kind of delivers quite a lot of what um, people would, at least historically, have come to um, branding agencies for. So we're going to see the space where. It's so like it's so crowded. It's so hard to stand out, and for me, that's a massive opportunity. Hmm. Uh, and it, but it, because it puts the people who can create something that can stand out in that sea of stuff, like um, like all that content that's going to be created now. Now it's so easy to create content. Now it's so easy to create identities. The people that can figure out ways to cut through that to create a brand. Um, that can that that you can notice and you can remember amongst all that stuff. That's going to get ever more valuable, and I think those people who um, can do that uh, are going to be the people that sort of succeed in the, the next era of branding. And I hmm. obviously would very much hope uh, and and expect like we would want to be one of those those people, and we're we're really going to push for it. And you know, it, for us, it's an exciting challenge. Yeah. And that kind of brings us full circle, you know, I think it's what you said earlier about having these strong ideas and then building mm-hmm. on them with like strong, creative, distinctive identities is is like something that will always matter, even if AI will commoditize it for a lot of brands. I, I totally agree. So mm-hmm. uh, thank you so much, uh, Max, for being on the show. It was really interesting. Yeah, well, likewise. And um 
I knew you were going to ask some tricky questions, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I enjoy. I enjoy. You kept me on my toes. Thank you. I hope <laughs> I didn't make you sweat too much. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. I enjoyed it. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, thanks very much. And fun to chat. Um, well, 